Well, good morning. As I said in the video, it is I, and uh, I get to bring the word to you today. And uh, before I start, um, just want to recognize that uh, the youth that are heading out there right now are incredible. They're led uh, very, very well by some incredible youth leaders. And uh, Joe Padilla, who has become a very, very close friend of mine, is bringing the word uh, to our middle schoolers and our high schoolers today. And a couple things I know about Joe is he has a deep love for God and a deep love for his word. So uh, I just want to encourage you, if you have young people in your life and maybe some of them are right over there right now, you can trust and be confident um, that they are being raised in the word when they're here at church. And Joe actually isn't feeling really well. Um, but he's pushing through. It's not COVID. Uh, he's got a stomach thing going on. And uh, so you can be praying for him as he delivers the word. The other thing that we can be praying for uh, as a church family is uh, uh, one of our good friends, Phil Smith and his wife, Tina Smith. They're anchors in this house. Um, both of them have uh, tested positive for COVID and Tina is currently in the hospital. Um, so we're going to take a moment not only to pray for Phil and Tina, we're going to pray for Joe, uh, and maybe you are feeling you have some health things that are going on right now. Uh, I want to pray that God would not only heal you, but he would open your heart and open your mind to what he might speak to you today. So uh, let's take a moment just to pray together, and then we'll jump into God's word. God, thank you uh, that you are our healer, you are our source. Thank you, God, that uh, your word says that we can seek after you, your kingdom, and your righteousness, and uh, God, you take good care of us. So we pray for Joe, we pray for Phil and for Tina. God, we pray for your healing on them, uh, your confidence around them, and your peace that surpasses all understanding to guard them. We thank you, God, that we get to sit under your authority and your word. Pray that you would speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to start this message um, with a quote from the great theologian Kanye. Kanye said this recently. He said, the weak starts on a Monday, but the strong start on Sunday. I'll read it again. You missed it. The weak starts on Monday, but the strong start on Sunday. It, uh, it, it matters that you're here. Uh, it matters what kind of week you had and maybe the barriers you had to push through, the discomfort or the inconvenience in you being here. And it would be a waste for you to be here and not receive something. It would be a waste for you to push through all of that and then not walk away feeling like you are better for it. And um, I think that in this season right now, uh, if one of the biggest challenges that I think we are faced with and that we sit with uh, is if you don't have a defendable opinion about every issue, every bit of tragedy and injustice, uh, you aren't worth people's time and you're seen as an irresponsible human. Isn't it interesting that we now, as a result of social media and tensions within our country, in our world, and the awareness about global events, national events, local events, that if you and I don't have a defendable opinion about everything, we are easily dismissed as sometimes irresponsible. It creates a bit of anxiety in me um, as, uh, as I get to be a 
a leader and an influencer, as I get the opportunity to know many people and many people look uh, to myself and other leaders at the church to have that defendable opinion about this, that, or the other issue, it's, it's just, it brings a lot of pressure. I don't know if you are feeling that way in this season. Um, I mean, between COVID and vaccines and boosters and racism and decisions about job and dating, having kids, not having kids, going back to school, not going back to school, taking a break from school. What school? Injustice, refugees, the war on terror, our opinion on the military, politics, abortion, all of these issues hit us every single day, every single week, and we are expected by society to have a defendable opinion about all of it. And I heard one of my favorite authors at the beginning of the COVID season as I was mowing my lawn and listening to a podcast. He said, in response to all of this pressure on us as humans in society, he said this quote that has lifted my, my heart in this season. He said, the human soul was never meant to hold all of this. The human soul is village-sized. That you and I were not designed to carry the stressors and responsibilities of having a defendable opinion about everything. But now we live in this season where it is this unspoken expectation. And that's not to mention the regular stuff like social media comparison, uh, kids going back to school, the change in season, summer is over, the weather is changing, fall is coming, all of these kinds of things that are normal, but the last 18 months have seemed to bring an exponential amount of stress, pressure, anxiety. We all say, well, God is in control. It doesn't feel like it. It doesn't really feel like God is in control. Now, um, how many, uh, there's a great debate going on amongst uh, tweens, teens, adults, everybody, and that is DC versus Marvel, right? There's a very clear winner, but there are some redeeming qualities occasionally throughout the DC universe. Uh, one, of the, one of the Superman movies, actually, that came out uh, a few years back, the, uh, the antagonist, the arch nemesis of Superman, Lex Luthor, he said this in a very dramatic scene, I think in Superman Returns, which was a decent DC movie. Uh, he said this. He said, if God is all-powerful, then he must not be all-good. But if God is all-good, he must not be all-powerful. See, that dichotomy that we live in and we understand God to be, this all-powerful, all-good, yet we sit way down here in this mess. If God is in control, it doesn't really seem like it. So we have a lot, uh, I think, to be anxious about or that we're expected to be anxious about. It, 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 for the teachers and educators in the room, maybe parents, you, maybe you felt this way, that um, having anxiety and depression uh, is almost a rite of passage amongst young people now. Now, I, I will have a disclaimer, and I thought about putting it up on the screen the entire time. I am not saying that anxiety does not exist. I am not saying that depression doesn't exist. I am not saying that 
clinically and medically, there are those of us in this room that need medication. We need therapy. We need counseling. Some of us are predisposed. There's traumas in our life. There, there is a very real need for these kinds of things. But what we're seeing amongst young people, I'll just speak for my home in particular. Um, my 12-year-old, who just went out with the youth, uh, she came to me the other day. No, it wasn't the other day. It was a couple months ago. And she sat down next to me, and she just seemed burdened. It was like first thing in the morning. Nothing had happened yet. She said, oh, man, my anxiety is really, really heavy this morning. Whoa, whoa. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. What did you just, what did you just say? She said, my anxiety. I said, so do you have anxiety or are you having anxious thoughts? Are you going to possess this identity and label of having anxiety? Or are you having anxious thoughts? And I began to unpack this with her. And, and she started to talk about how her friends have anxiety. And this other friend uh, struggles with depression. And this other friend. And she, uh, she made the case for me and helped me realize that in a lot of ways amongst her friend group and, and amongst 12 and 13, 11, 10-year-olds, there is this expectation that, that we all have anxiety. Which level do you have at it? And how are you feeling today? So much so that some of her text messages, text message group chats in the morning, um, first start off with, on a scale of 0 to 10, how is your anxiety? It's the first thing they're defining their... So there's this issue that is happening amongst us in regards to anxiety and depression and this swimming around of negative thoughts that we have. And, and, and there's lots of different reasons for it, most of which I, I mentioned previously. There's a, I'm not, I'm not a big musical guy, in case you didn't know. This is like not my thing. I just, I, I have a hard time thinking that in everyday life, normal people just bust out in song and dance. I just can't go. I believe more in Star Wars than musical. I just think it's more realistic that there's this force and there's a dark side and a light side and Vader's out there. So I believe that's more appropriate than just like, busting out into I can show you the world. Like, it just doesn't make... But anyways, my, my, the, the, the women in my household love these musicals so much so that they've indoctrinated my seven-year-old son. And now he's singing in the Heights, which is somewhat appropriate, but mostly not. And it, it's just this thing that's happening, and there's this new musical movie that's coming out that has been a Broadway hit. It's called Dear Evan Hansen. So I'm asking, and, and they're telling me about this, and my 10-year-old daughter is showing me the trailer, and, and, and Hannah's like, listen, the adults are going to go see that before, because it's about depression and suicide and, and bullying. It's some heavy topics. So the main character, Evan Hansen, uh, he, as an assignment from his therapist, because he struggles with social anxiety and depression and all these kinds of things, as a, uh, an assignment from his therapist, he's writing letters to himself just to help him process. And one of his letters goes like this. Dear Evan Hansen, is writing to himself. Turns out this wasn't an amazing day after all. This isn't going to be an amazing week or an amazing year. Because why would it be? Isn't it interesting that as we transition from season to season, day to day, week to week, our default has become, why would it be good? What bad news is going to hit the newsreel tomorrow. Our default has become negative, and we have a feeling that things aren't going to get much better. Or we have a feeling 
that it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. But before you have a feeling, you have a thought. That thoughts, if they are unchecked, unmeasured, and not compared against anything else, can compound into a feeling, and then we can find ourselves in this low place. Before it's a feeling, it's a thought. And we say things like, I got a bad feeling about this, or I feel like I'm never getting out of here. I feel like it's never going to get better. I feel like nothing's going to change. I feel like I'm never going to find that job. I feel like it's always go- I'm always going to be exhausted by the end of the week. I feel like I'm never going to find him, or I'm never going to find her. Or I feel like my kids are never going to grow up and get out of the house. I feel like, but before we feel like something, We think. We have thoughts. There's this example. It's it's an old story that I want to read to you, and it's called The Keeper of the Stream. It says, there once was a town high in the Alps that straddled the banks of a beautiful stream. The stream was fed by springs that were as old as the earth and deep as the sea. The water was clear like crystal. Children laughed and played beside it. Swans and geese swam on it. You could see the rocks and the sand and the rainbow trout that swarmed at the bottom of the stream. High in the hills, far beyond anyone's sight, lived an old man who served as keeper of the stream. He'd been hired so long ago that no one could remember a time when he wasn't there. And he would travel from spring to spring, from hill to hill that would feed that stream, removing branches or fallen leaves or debris that might have polluted the water. But his work was unseen. One year, the town council at the bottom of the hill decided they had better things to do with their money. No one supervised the old man anyway. They had roads to repair, taxes to collect, services to offer. Pressures of life and giving money to an unseen stream cleaner had become a luxury that they could no longer afford. So they fired the old man, and he left his post. High in the mountains, the springs that fed the stream were left untended. Twigs and branches and worse muddied the liquid flow. Mud and silt compacted the creek bed. Farm waste turned parts of the streams into stagnant bogs. For a time, no one in the village noticed, but after a while, the water was not the same. It began to look brackish. The swans flew away to live somewhere else. The water no longer had a crisp scent that drew children to play by it. Some people in the town began to grow ill and all noticed the the loss of sparkling beauty that used to flow between the banks of the streams that fed the town. The life of the village depended on the stream and the life of the stream depended on the stream keeper. The city council reconvened, the money was found, the old man was rehired. After yet another time, the springs were clean, the stream was pure, children played again on its banks, illness was replaced by health, the swans came home, and the village came back to life. The life of a village depended on the health of the stream. And then the parable ends with this. The stream is your soul, and you are the keeper. See, before you have a feeling, you have a thought. 
upstream of your perspective, upstream of your feelings, upstream of your anxiety and your depression and your feelings of overwhelming. Upstream of that are thoughts that went unchecked. You ever feel like God is blessing the wrong person? You ever feel like that? Scrolling through social media. See, I've been a pastor for uh, 15 years now. I get the opportunity to sit with people through their worst and through their best. And, and it's, it's, it's just, it is hilarious to me. It's not hilarious. It's become hilarious, which is probably not good. I'm getting cynical. Um, but, but you sit with people and they're struggling through something. Maybe uh, they filed for bankruptcy. And then a couple weeks later in social media, this joker's got a brand new truck. Like, God, you blessed the wrong person. I'm being responsible with my money. I'm being a good steward. I'm giving to the church. And this dude's got a new truck. He's bankrupt, getting more bankrupt, repeating the same mistake, not even in church. You're blessing the wrong person. Do you ever feel like that? Scrolling through social media, you're at a family reunion, you're out with some friends from work, and it's like, you, you, what? But what started as a feeling started as a thought, a judgment against people. Probably shouldn't joke about this, but you can't say I caught a cold anymore. You can't even say that. I was talking to a couple earlier. About two years ago, we could say there's a nasty cold going around. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can come over if you feel all right. Like, if you're up to it, yeah, come on over to the barbecue. Yeah, yeah, we're having a birthday party. Wow, I caught a cold. Oh, don't worry. Just If you're feeling up to it, that's fine. Like, you're welcome. You can't even say that. I can't, I can't sniffle around you. I can't cough. And, and, and do, do you know anybody? Usually there's one of the two spouses that you get sick or one of your kids gets sick, and all of a sudden they turn into Inspector Gadget, and they're like, who were we around, to? let's see, incubation period, and three days ago we were on in that one, and that dude was coughing. I know it was him. That was irresponsible. Did we go to that part? I remember that one. Man, Luke sniffled that one time when he was talking to me, and he wasn't wearing a mask. I, just, I can't believe he's so irresponsible. Did you know that you can also catch a thought you can catch a mindset. You can catch a feeling. You can catch criticism. You can catch cynicism. You can catch a judgmental spirit. You can catch poverty mindset. You can catch a scarcity mindset. You can catch a thought. And whether it's gossip or cynicism, criticism, maybe, maybe you can catch a narrow-minded view on life, judgmental. You can catch objectifying a member of the other sex. You can catch lustful thoughts. You can catch coveting. You can catch greed. You can catch pride. You can catch sloth. Listen, some in this room, and I mean this in all love, you got some bad friends. And you need some better ones. Because the thoughts that you are catching 
from the people that you are hanging around are contrary to what God says. And you wonder why your mindset is a certain way when I'm going to church and I'm doing the right. You're catching thoughts from the wrong place. Matthew chapter 6, verse 34 it says, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And we can leave that up. Do not be anxious about, that is like, feels impossible. Don't anxiety and tomorrow kind of, aren't they, aren't they siblings? Isn't the thoughts about tomorrow the thing that creates the anxiety? If, I, if it was impossible for me to think about tomorrow, I don't think I'd be anxious at all. And that's why the writer is so smart. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. Because if you don't think about tomorrow, anxiety loses a lot of its power. And in the original language, do you know what the word anxious means? It means a thought that takes you. That thought is taking you for a walk. That thought is taking you for a ride. That thought has caught you. And it's going to develop into a feeling, which is going to develop into a mindset, which is going to develop into a worldview. And it's very, very difficult to track it back to a thought and correct it. See, thoughts have a power to catch us. I was trying to think about, you know, unfortunately for you guys, I was a kids pastor and a youth pastor for a long time, so I'm all about the illustrations, the bed's coming, like... I'm sorry about that. It's just the way that I, I teach. So I was trying to think of an example for the scripture that I want to introduce to you. And, um, and a helium balloon came to mind. See, because, uh, and, and, and we'll kind of separate the room. And if we had, see, again, if it was youth ministry and we were at a camp, like guys would be on that side, girls would be on this side, blue and pink make purple. There's no purple at camp. Like that whole, right, that, that whole thing. So the guys, um, Let's say that you are going about your daily life and you are just glancing around and you see a beautiful woman. Is it a sin? No. But if you entertain that thought and you think more and more about that thought, what ends up happening? Oh, gosh. See, this is the problem with props. is if it goes unchecked, now what ends up happening is you've got this lofty thought, and I wrote it down like this. Now what started off as innocent now is something that you cannot unsee. And it becomes so lofty and it's entertained enough that all of a sudden, God, I need an assistant. It's like magic tricks. It doesn't just go away. Because what starts happening is if I let this go, it's going to live in this room for a long time. And what happens in our lives is we entertain these things and we let them go and we think they're gone. 
And then a day or two later, you know this about a helium balloon, it's going to start to get in your height again. And every time you think you take care of it, the air conditioning is going to move it to a new spot and a new spot and a new spot. Ladies, have you ever found yourself daydreaming about what your life would be like now and in the future with a different man? The problems that it might solve. And what starts as a thought, a consideration, if entertained, because you get a balloon too. It's not just us that are guilty of this stuff. What started off as innocent and curiosity And then you're looking at what you have at home, and you see him sitting in the lazy boy, scratching his belly, lawn's not mowed, socks are on the floor, his dirty dish is in the kitchen, and you're like, I wonder. And you begin to look at your husband through this, and you can't really see him anymore. And then it's just kind of floating around in your life. Because what started as a thought, a consideration, just the imagination that is natural in us as humans to notice a beautiful woman or consider what that could look like or, or to imagine or to entertain becomes something that now just occupies our soul. But don't take my word for it. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Paul says this, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. What he says about arguments, and Jeff, you can play, it's getting really quiet, so either it's boring or convicting. What Paul says about arguments in the original language, the word arguments is a thought. It's just a thought. Starts off innocent, starts off on your scrolling. Starts off in your imagination. Really innocent. Your mind is active, that's okay. Starts off as a thought. He says we destroy arguments. And every lofty opinion, now that word, lofty opinion, it means a high and elevated barrier. So what starts off as a thought becomes a barrier. That's interesting. A barrier to what? Well, it's a lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. This, This phrase raised against is actually one word. In the original Greek. And it means lifting up one thing so that the other is lowered. So what he's saying is what started off as a thought, if entertained becomes something lofty, a barrier that raises itself up against the knowledge of God. Now, how many of us 
in our lives view the opinion of others, the comparison of others, and the news as loftier than what we know about God? How many of us have replaced our knowledge of God with knowledge of this, that, or the other issue? How many of us have replaced the knowledge of God that says, we are all fearfully and wonderfully made, that we are all cracked vessels, we are all broken, yet we raise up our opinion about other people above what God says? How often do we raise and allow some lofty opinion about an issue above who God says we are? Words that were spoken to us when we were young, trauma from the past, and we allow this to define us and rise up and lower what God says about us our past failures, and where we slipped up, our habitual sin. And this becomes more prominent and on repeat in our minds, more so than what God says. It's raised up against the knowledge of God. It says we destroy these arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. Take thought, take every thought captive to obey Christ. You know what the thought means? In the original language, it means an evil purpose. There is an evil purpose that is positioned against you. It started off as a thought, it became a feeling, now it's a mindset. And that mindset has become your identity That mindset already predicts your future, declares your capacity. It's an evil purpose over your life. We take those thoughts captive. That word captive actually means to bring it into captivity. That you gotta catch the thoughts that you've allowed to just float around your life. Because the thoughts that caught you, you have the power to catch them. And once you catch them, what does the scripture say? Bring them into captivity to obey Christ. That word means to submit. That I first thought this thought, this thought ended up catching me, becoming my worldview. But now I'm going to catch it, I'm going to bring it into submission and I'm going to make it obey. And I'm going to bring it down, and I'm going to let it deflate, because the more that I know who I am, who others are, what God says about me, his creation, and his kingdom can defeat these thoughts. See, God is in control, but he's looking for a partnership with his children. God is all-powerful and all-good. And he's given us the power to take these thoughts captive. So what kind of thoughts are running around, floating, floating around in your life? 
Because scripture says that it's for freedom that Christ set you free. You can either be captive to your thoughts or you can take your thoughts captive. And maybe you sit here with anxiety and maybe you sit here with depression and, and maybe it's right that you're, you're on some medication and you're going to see a wonderful therapist and, and they're helping you. But I just want to speak life and encouragement into you that you have more power than you think you have. What is floating around in your soul? And what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray and we're going to sing a song. It's, a, it's an older song. You'll probably know it. But it talks about how we're, we're not slaves to fear because it's just a balloon. It just started as a thought. What feels intimidating and impossible, what feels like it's just a part of you now, you're just going to live with it, you're just going to limp through life. Maybe that's not what God has for you. He actually has freedom for you. Because the Israelites, God's people, were marching through the desert and they had been freed from captivity, yet they found themselves in a desert. And at one point, they actually wanted to go back to captivity because it was normal and it was comfortable. And they went to their leader, Moses, and they said, you brought us out here to die in the desert? At least back in Egypt, we knew that we were going to get one meal a day. And they found themselves in the desert. And when they finally walked across the Jordan into the promised land is when they realized that they weren't destined to be slaves but they were destined to be free in God's people. So let's pray together, and then we're going we're gonna to sing that song. God, thank you. Bit of an interesting and heavy message. Um, but God, I believe that you want to remind us that we have more power than maybe we thought. And even that lie, that we can't change it, we can't control it, we're just a product of our parents, we're just a result of our sin, we're just people of our failure, defined by our habits. God, I dismantle that lie in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, would you help us? Would you remind us that Jesus, you came to set us free God, we may feel like we're in the desert right now. God, maybe for the first time we're realizing that these thoughts and feelings that we have swirling around, they started as a thought. God, I pray that we would take those thoughts captive, that we would bring them into obedience to who Christ says we are, that we are wonderfully chosen, that we are fearfully made, that we are children of God. Thank you, God, that we are no longer slaves to fear, but God, you're causing us and calling us to walk into that freedom. We thank you.
want you to do is I want you to just close your eyes. Just try to stay in this moment. Consider that God could do something in your life. And the team's going to sing for us again and sing over us. And I want you to just imagine the household of your mind, the household of your heart. And I want you to allow the Holy Spirit maybe to show you the balloons that are floating around. Thoughts that have taken root, thoughts that are just floating around. Feelings and thoughts about yourself and words about yourself and others that are just kind of floating around. and They're affecting your life and building anxiety and uncertainty for the future. Thoughts of fear and failure. Words that make you feel small and insignificant. Thoughts of being unworthy, never fulfilling your purpose. Thoughts of lust coveting, criticism, and cynicism, those things that are floating around. And as the team sings this over us, I want you to just imagine yourself taking those things captive, not allowing them to float around. And would you bring them into obedience of who Christ says you are, that you are a child of God, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that you are made on purpose for a purpose that God has great and mighty things for you to accomplish. Oh uh -huh. 
So when I, when, I, when I get a concept out of scripture and I feel like it's from God, I try to think of as many ways as possible to try to explain how this plays out in my life. And I think everybody, at one point or another when you're a kid, you are convinced that there's a monster under your bed or in your closet, right? You are absolutely convinced that there is something just there. You can't explain it. It's just lurking, and, and you've got this choice. I, I remember, I, I mean, I can still imagine it in my room, convinced. And you've got this choice, right, when you feel that way. Either you can pull the covers over your head and just, like, hope for the best. And you can try to convince yourself to just go to sleep. There's nothing there. There's nothing there. There's nothing there. It's impossible. There's no way. Monsters aren't real. But in your heart, you know there's something there. And I feel like thoughts are the same, right? It's like you know it's there. You know it's floating around. You, you, you know it's in your past. You know it's impossible. It shouldn't affect you anymore. That's water under the bridge in that relationship. Or I got over that habit a long time ago, but it's still there. And you can either just kind of grin and bear it through the rest of your life, and you can pull the sheets over your head, and you can convince yourself that it's going to be okay, and you can get a terrible night's sleep. Or, when I was a kid, I don't know, it's not even here anymore. When I was a kid, I had a flashlight by my bed. And I'm like, I've always been kind of default aggressive. I was always looking for a fight. Jesus has done a work. And I'm like, I'm, I refuse to sleep like that. I refuse to think that there might be something in my closet still. I refuse to believe that there is something under my bed that should not be there. This is my bed. This is my room. That's my Transformers poster. Those are my Star Wars toys. This thing is not welcome. And I grab my little flashlight. And I'd get under the bed, and I would shine the flashlight under the bed, and I'm like, oh, I was missing that toy. That, that's no monster. That's Darth Vader. <laughs> and I'd go to sleep with so much peace. There's a moment often in our lives where every single one of us needs to get a little bit default aggressive. And you need to refuse to live with that thought lingering over your head, surprising you. You thought it was gone. You thought you didn't deal with that anymore. You thought you dealt with it. You thought you had matured. But there it is again. When are you going to grab that thing and bring it into submission to Christ so that you can move on? 
And I think it's a, it's a combination of surrender and aggression. And this isn't just a masculine thing. I've seen Sarah Fox pick up heavy, heavy weights in my garage. Like, this is not just a masculine thing. The mama's in the room, you know. Like, this is something that you have to give everything to. And I believe that we are a people that can't just be waiting for that thought to float down again and then try to hide from it. But I believe that in this moment, in today, this morning, that we get to do this together. Because that scripture, if we can bring that back up in 2 Corinthians, what does it start with? It says, we, we destroy every argument. We destroy every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. We take every thought captive to obey Christ. There's a power in a we. So I invite you to stand and we're going to, we're going to close with a song. And this is a, this is a bit of an anthem. It's a, it's a, it's declarative. And you may not believe it. You may not agree with it, but I promise you that if in faith you sing this out in faith, you speak this over to your life, over your life in faith, you see that balloon floating around your life and you take it captive and you bring it into obedience to Christ that what was in the dark you can expose to the light of God the word of God and it can be canceled over your life and no longer is it going to be floating around and you're going to be worried about when you're going to see it again when it's going to find you again no, 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 no more, no more, no more don't walk out of this place just waiting for something to jump out at you take that thought captive shine some light on it allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you we're going to sing together.